Hello guys. Hi. I trust you're doing well today. And I trust you in very good spirits. I also hope that you are feeling quite positive and hopeful about whatever space you may be finding yourself in currently in your life. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, depending on what time you're listening to this. Welcome to yet another episode of The Frozen Thoughts Diary with Tepo H. Malawa. Thank you once again for joining me and for lending me your ear. Today I want to speak with you guys on a subject that has refused to leave my spirit for many months now and a subject that has somehow been growing within my spirit for quite a while. Ecclesiastes 3.11 He has made everything beautiful in his own time. He has planted eternity in the heart of man. And yet, no man can see the full image of God from beginning to end. I'm going to repeat that. He has made everything beautiful in its own time. He has planted eternity in the heart of man. And yet, no man can see the full image of God from beginning to end. Now, as I read that scripture, there's so much that comes to my spirit all at once. The first one being that God says that he has made everything everything beautiful in its own time so not some things not certain things not this and that but all things he has made beautiful in his own time and he has planted eternity in the heart of man now the only eternal force that I can think of it's Jehovah Yahweh himself He's the only eternity I am familiar with. And yet he says that he has planted eternity in our hearts. And the only difference between us and him is the fact that he can see the whole picture and yet we can only see a glimpse of the image that he gives us. Now, going back to how he says that everything beautiful in its own time I think of this and I, 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 I read on entire Ecclesiastes 3 and it left me with so many questions. Like, Lord, you say that everything is beautiful in its own time. Does this also mean that it was a beautiful thing as Jesus Christ was standing, was, was being crucified on that cross? And I, I battled with that thought for a while and eventually I had to make peace with what God was saying that yes, even as Christ was on that cross, it was probably one of the most beautiful times in history, if not ever, because it was in its own perfect time. And I think of that whole time on the last hours of Christ as, um, as one of us, so to say, and I... I remember how he referred to Judas as a friend as he was busy betraying him. And he referred to Peter who was trying to defend him as Satan. 
and I begin to understand why God says that everything is beautiful in its own time. So, though Judas was busy betraying Christ, it was a beautiful thing because it was the right time for it. Even Christ knew that. And Peter did not understand that it was the right time. It was the time for that. And so he tried to prevent it by defending Christ by the sword. And if Christ's crucifixion was also a beautiful thing, then it can only mean that beauty does not mean pleasant. Beauty does not mean tasteful. When something is beautiful, it does not mean that you have to approve. It does not mean that you have to like it. It does not mean that you have to enjoy it. You just have to acknowledge that this is the time for this to be happening. And I guess appreciating the beauty of a time or the beauty of a season starts by acknowledging where God has placed you. And it starts by knowing what season you are in. So, in other words, winter can never go to summer and say that you don't belong, nor can summer go to winter and say that you are the worst of seasons, you should have never been part of us, because all seasons complement one another. And this is one thing Jesus Christ understood more than anything. Like when he created, when he made the very first miracle, the first thing he said to his mother was, do you not know that my time has not come yet? So it's always important that you understand the season that you are in. And only then can you begin to see the beauty of the time that you're going through or the face that you're going through. Because when you understand the time and season that you're going through, can you begin to make peace? with the fact that it's only temporary? And can you then make peace with the fact that this is meant to happen for me to get to the promise? Because too often we get so caught up on the promise of God, we fail to appreciate and embrace the process that leads us to the promise. For there is no promise without the process. The same way that a farmer must understand that there's a time for planting the seed and there's a time for nurturing the soil, the time for watering the seed and watering the soil and there's a time for the seed to sprout out of the ground and that he must keep on taking care of that promise and that there will be time for that seed to grow and for that seed to blossom into flowers and from flowers into fruits. All of these things have to go through a direct process. And maybe we can only get to fathom the beauty of a time or the beauty of anything, whatever it may be, only once we have made peace with what God has called us to. For I, am, I earnestly believe that Understanding your season or the season that you are in is exactly what will open the right doors for you because it would suck to find yourself 
dressed up for the wrong season at the right time. To find yourself dressed up for summer in the middle of winter. It's like traveling to a foreign country and not making a tally of what season they are in. It might just leave you in trouble. So understanding the season that you are in, it's also so that you may be protected. So that you don't waste the resources that God has given you. So that you don't waste your efforts. So that you don't lose hope. So that you don't invest in things you shouldn't at the wrong time. For it would, there's nothing that would be more sad than finding yourself planting corn in the midst of winter when, you, when the seed is certainly going to die within the ground before it even sprouts. It has to happen in its own perfect time. And this is one of the most fundamental things that we need to understand in our walk with God at all times. For when we operate within our rightful seasons, when we operate within our rightful time, can we then open doors of opportunities? Can then God offer the provision that is necessary for that time? Can He send the right people for that right time? So understanding your season, it's like walking into the right door when there are so many doors that you can be walking into. And ensuring that all your resources are handed down to you at the right time. So in other words, you can never really appreciate the beauty of something until you've understood the season that it's in. So when leaves start falling from a tree, we do not start panicking that the tree is dying unless it's in the wrong season. So we know that when it's autumn or fall, it's the right time for the leaves to be falling off the tree. But when it comes springtime and the flowers refuse to bloom, that's when we start to panic that it is the time for this and this is not happening. I honestly believe that we can never truly appreciate the beauty of a time that we are going through until we have learned to listen to the voice of God, until we have learned to discern what God is saying to us. It's the same way that God spoke in, in, in the book of Habakkuk 2, verse 2 to 3, where he says that write the vision down and make it plain upon tablets, that they may run that readeth it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. So, while God has given all of us dreams or visions or goals that won't, that won't leave our spirit, we always need to understand and make peace with the fact that when he says that he has planted eternity in our hearts, not only does he mean that he has planted his entire self within us, he also means that he has given us the capability to foresee what God has already done for us. So maybe our vision and our dreams and what God has imparted within us, it's only there 
to remind us of how beautiful it is. Maybe time exists so that we may, under, we may begin to appreciate the process of how things come to be. Can you imagine if a, a woman just wakes up one day and she's told that you've got a baby? It wouldn't make sense because she never would have understood the process that she had to go through. She never would have understood the season. So maybe the season and the times are also there to help us appreciate the promise. Like it also says in, in, in the book of James 1 verse 4 where it says that make sure that your endurance carries you all the way without failing so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Other versions um, say that make sure that your patience carries you. So endurance equals to patience. And maybe, just maybe, God gives us the vision the same way that movie makers gives us a trailer before they give, before they show you the whole movie. It's so that you may begin to anticipate and so that you may begin to appreciate what has been made. And maybe just like the movie makers, a preview of uh, a vision or a dream is it's the same as a preview of, of what God has already achieved. Like it says in Hebrews 11 verse 1 that faith is substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So the mere fact that you have faith in the vision that God has given you means that dream is already substance. And the mere fact that you've got faith already means that this evidence that that thing already exists and maybe God gave us time so that we may begin to understand the beauty of everything that he has created and this is why we need to understand that there is beauty in everything when it's happening in its right time even in war there is beauty in it when it's happening in its right time for everything happens in the time that God appoints and everything happens only when God has willed for it to happen. I'm, 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 I'm thinking of the story of Joseph and how in, in, in Psalms 105, 18-19, um, David speaks of, of David. Um, let me quote let me quote the, the, the scripture in Psalms 105, 18-19 where he says, his feet were kept in chains, and an iron collar was around his neck until what he had predicted came true. The word proved him right. So Joseph, Joseph's feet were in chains, and his neck was in a head was trapped in a collar, in a collar neck. Until what he had predicted came true. So this basically means that. David was imprisoned because of the vision that he had or was or was troubled or had to go through the trials and tribulations that he had to go through simply because he had a vision and simply because he had a dream. Now, I don't know if you are like a Joseph, but I know that I've been a Joseph at some point in my life where I was tortured by my own dream and wondering, God, is this dream ever going to come to pass? When friends are starting to think that, ah, man, my lawyer, you're just a daydreamer. And family has got expectation that why don't we see the results? Why don't we see this? And friends are like, ah, man, 
Maybe you should come back to reality. Maybe you should stop dreaming so much. Maybe you should stop hoping so much. Maybe you should stop wasting your efforts. Maybe you should stop. But Joseph held on to the vision and he endured the humiliation, he endured the imprisonment, he endured everything until what God had predicted and what, until what he had predicted came to pass, until the word proved him right. Now, in saying that, I want you to know that for as long as you know that it is God who has placed that vision within you, for as long that it is God who has placed you in the situation that you are in, no matter how good or painful or no matter how good or bad, rest assured that it is beautiful that you are going through that time. And when you look back one day in due time, you will realize how necessary it was that you go through the time that you went through. For everything is beautiful in its own time. May we never forget that. And may we, may we never, never fail to grasp the season that God has placed us within so that we may act accordingly when we step within that season. So that we may know when it's time to plant and when it's time to reap. So that, so that we may know at all time what time it is. The same way that Christ knew to the exact day that it is time. To the exact hour he knew that it is time. And even as, even as he went to the Lord and said, Lord, this cup is a bit too bitter for me. Please take it away if you can. He still understood that it is time. And because it is time, it is a beautiful thing. And no matter how painful it had to be, and no matter how painful it was, even way before he was physically crucified, he could already feel the pain almost to death. The, almost to, he could feel the grief before they even touched him, before, the, before Judas would even sell him out. But he knew that he had to go through that because there was beauty in it. I'm saying this to you so that you may understand that there is beauty in your struggle. There is beauty in your tribulation. There is beauty in your trials. And may you never let your struggle go to waste. Because too often I've got to understand and realize that too many of us only refer to the scripture that he has made everything beautiful in its own time when we are talking about things which are pleasant to us, things which we are we like hearing about. But that's not the case. God says that everything is beautiful in its own time, not some things, not certain things, but everything. So the same way, but only when it's only when things are in their own right time are they beautiful. Say, for instance, one time Jesus Christ came to the temple and found people trading and selling within the temple when they, where they should have been worshipping. Now, it was a beautiful thing that they were trading and doing business, but it was an ugly thing that they were doing it at the wrong time, at the wrong place, which was a place of worship. So... It is very imperative, it's very vital, it's very integral that we never forget that 
we should always be under the will of God and that we should always be under the wing of God, under the protection of God and under the guidance of God and under the guidance of God at all times. And that way we will know when it's time for us to step into our season. That way we will know when it's time for us to plant a new tree. For only when we begin to appreciate the time and the season can we really begin to see the value of the fruits that are brought by by such patience and such endurance and such appreciation for time and season. The book of James 1.4 Make sure that your endurance carries you all the way without failing so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So endurance is what carries you all the way. And endurance is what makes you perfect and complete. My God. In the end, you begin to understand that indeed, understanding our season and understanding that everything is beautiful in its own time, it's also so that we may have our provision and our opportunities and so that the right doors may be opened at the right time and that the right people may be sent at the right time and so that we may not be delayed unnecessarily. Because too many of us are delayed for many years because we don't realize or recognize the time and the season that God has placed us in. And as a result, we end up wasting a lot of resources, a lot of effort, a lot of energy. And in the long run, we find that we have run out of hope. We have run out of courage. We have run out of encouragement. And, and it is all because we were not acting according to the time that God has placed us in. It is vital, it is vital that we always act according to the seasons that God has placed us within. And maybe we can never truly appreciate the seasons completely and fully until we know what seeds we've got in our hands. So I guess understanding and appreciating the seasons also begins with knowing what seeds you've got in your hand because it all starts with a seed for it was the very first order given to men that we must be fruitful and multiply so unless you know what seeds you've got at your disposal none of the seasons will ever mean a thing to you you can never understand your season without patience patience for for, for for time and patience to hear what God is saying. Now, in conclusion, I'd like to read the book of Proverbs 19.21 or just remind you of what Proverbs 19.21 says. It says that many are the plans in a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose which prevails. May we never forget that that we can make all kinds of plans under the earth, but unless it is in the will of God, unless it aligns with the purpose of God, all our plans are useless and all our plans are worthless. And this is why we need to let God guide us at all times in all things that we do. Now, I'm going to close this 
with reading the book of Ecclesiastes 3. And I hope that it helps you somehow. And I hope that you find some light in this entire passage as I have also. A time for everything. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the sun. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to moan and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. What do workers gain from their toil? I have seen the burden God has placed in the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the heart of man. Yet, no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live. That each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is the gift of God. I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken from it. God does it so that people will fear him. Now, with that said, I would just like you to remind you once again that God has made everything beautiful in its own time. And for as long as you're under his will and for as long as you're under his wing, then whatever you're going through, it's for the greater good because you love him. And there's nothing more important than for you to enjoy the works of your own hand. And there's nothing more important than for you to enjoy your own toil. May God guide you in every single thing that you do. May he guide your steps and may he be with you in everything that you do. And may you never on your brightest day and may you never on your best day forget that you need God just as much as you did on your worst. I thank you. I thank you so much for your ears and for listening. And yeah, may God bless you and be with you at all times. He has made everything beautiful in its own time. Hello guys. Hi. It's me. It's Tapa H. Maloa. I hope y'all are well and I hope y'all are in very good spirits and I hope that you're feeling hopeful and positive and yeah, that you that you that you're in a very good spirits today, as usual. Um welcome to yet another episode of The Frozen Thoughts Diaries with Tapa H. Maloa. Good morning. Good afternoon and good evening, depending on what time you're listening to me right now. I I can't wait to share with you uh, on what I on what has been imparted within my heart today and on, on, on this topic that's been staring me up so much and this topic which I feel and 
and know that you and I can all relate like anybody else who exists on this planet can also relate to this and who has somehow been moved by this and in fact this is the one aspect that affects all of our lives somehow in one way or the other and yeah uh, today I want to talk with you guys about the power of music um, the reason I decided to speak about this or the trigger rather that led me to deciding to record about this was when I was reading the book of Matthew 6 to be precise um, on the Last Supper and how after they were done having the Last Supper Jesus Christ and his disciples that is they sang a hymn before they went to the Mount of Olives so it left me asking questions like what is it about music oh, what is it about music that even Christ would 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 seal a a a significant point and a significant ceremony so to say with something such as music you could have ended it with prayer or you could have they could have just ate and and left but they they had to sing first before they before they'd go anywhere and it left it left me asking what it is about music that moves us so much and what is it about music that makes us want to dance especially and like that's the one thing that question that you know that what is it about music that just makes people want to dance and 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 move and what is it about music that makes us want to cry and 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 reminisce over the past and what is it about music that heals us and the, the, what is it about music that makes us feel understood and the, what is it about music except very few people can agree on the roles and the purpose of music but we can all almost we can almost all agree on the power of music and that it's got a very important role to play in our lives as human beings especially when you look at the african man and or how generally africans seem to have rhythm within them naturally and how africans seem to to be more in love with music than any other tribe and you begin to understand oh, i mean this is in relation when you look at how in strikes we are dancing when we are happy we are dancing at weddings we are we are singing i mean and in funerals we are singing and when when we are sad we are singing and everything with us africans is like accompanied with music whether it's it's we are in mourning or or whether we are in coronation or whether it's an event at it, it's this always music and i i thought about this and i thought about also how what is it about music that inspired so many great artists to become what they are and what is it about music that of all other forms of art it is the only one that seems to last forever like artists for instance we're still listening to bob marley more than two decades later because his music was timeless and we'll still be listening to brenda fuss for many years to come because her music was timeless and people like michael jackson they were so great in their music and they understood the power of music and it left me asking what is it about music i mean what is it about music that even um famous philosophers like friedrich nietzsche would say that without music would life would be a mistake and it was bob marley himself who also said that one good thing about music when it hits you is that you feel no pain and 
um, oh, I wanted to quote um, Maya Angelou also um, when she said that music was my refuge. I could crawl into the space between the notes and curl my back to loneliness. So this is this just goes to explain how powerful music is and how many people have 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 revered music and have have been touched by the power of music. Even people like Albert Einstein who said that if I were not a physicist, I would probably be a musician. I often think in music. I live my daydreams in music. I see my life in terms of music. Einstein was not even a musician, but music moved his life so much that he even thought through music and it was William Shakespeare who also said that if music be the food of love play on give me access of it that that suffating the the appetite may sick and so die and more, more recently it was Taylor Swift who said people haven't always been there for me but music always has and I, I believe that many of us can relate to, to this words and on how music is always there for us. Somehow it, it's always there to heal us and somehow it's always there to elevate us to the next level. I ask myself so many questions around music, around the science of music and the psychology of music and what does God have to say about music and I'm, before I even touch on God and what he has to say, I'm I'm going to try and share with you some of the interesting music facts I, I, I got to find. And one of them was that music stimulates more parts of the brain than any other human function. In fact, I remember as I was reading this, um, they showed that when subjects were tested uh, and under a C, um, CR, CRG scan, they, 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 they CGI scan, they found that whenever music was played, more parts of the brain lit up. And I believe that this, the reason why music affects more parts of our brain is, is, is the same reason why we can still remember music years later and why in kindergarten or crash they, we are taught through music. And you, you begin to understand how powerful music is. Even psychology will tell you that music is, 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 can heal and music has the power to heal and to elevate one and to, and, and, and to bring to take people out of depression. And I, I remember as, as I was asking, what is it about music that also makes us want to dance? And what is it about music that makes us feel all these chills when we are listening to it at times? And I, I, I finally got the answer. And the answer to that is that it's mainly caused by the brain releasing dopamine while anticipating the peak moment of a song. So as music is playing, your, your mind is consistently trying to find dopamine. But before we would even get into the scriptures or really begin this whole talk on music, let's first define what music is. Because I feel like we, we will just lose each other if, if we don't really begin to, uh, to, to, to define what music is. And yeah, according to, to the Oxford Dictionary, music... Music is vocal or instrumental sounds, or both, combined in such a way as to produce beauty of form, harmony, and expression of emotion. Let me repeat that. Music, according to the Oxford Dictionary, music is vocal or instrumental sounds, or both, combined in such a way as to produce beauty of form, harmony and expression of emotion so 
let, let me even dwell on that for now, or else I'll just get too deep on it. So music, being what it is, and being as powerful as it is, you 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 begin to understand even the, the definition of it alone tells you of the power of music, and it left me asking, what is, exactly does the Bible say about music, and and what is it about music? And I remember as I was reading the book of Second Kings, Second Kings three, uh, it. I, that's where I got to understand of another dimension of the power of music as I was reading the story of the three kings. I hope you go read the passage. Uh, well, in the book of Second Kings 3, it's the, the king of Moab had rebelled against God and led his people um, into sin and God was not happy. And, and so three kings, it was King Joram, who, who left and, and, and gathered King Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, and, and also he, and King Joram to, to, and, and King Edom to, to come join him to, as they go into this war. So these three kings, these three kings have come together to go fight a war with one man, Moab, the king of Moab. And he from that alone, you, you begin to understand how powerful these three men had to be. I mean, how, how powerful this man who had rebelled against God had to be for, for three kings to come together to go fight against him and, 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 and to seek God to, to go before they could fight him. So Joram, Judah, and Adam are going to war. And I'm going to start reading the, the, the Bible now. Uh, I'm going to read from Second Kings 3, and I'm going to start with verse 9. So King Joram and the kings of Judah and Edom set out. After marching for seven days, they ran out of water. And there was none left for the men or the pack animals. We are done for, King Joram exclaimed. The Lord has put the three of us at the mercy of the king of Moab. King Jehoshaphat asked, Is there a prophet here whom we can consult the Lord? An officer of King Joram's forces answered, Elisha, son of Shaphat, is here. He was Elisha's, Elijah's assistant. He is a true prophet, King Jehoshaphat said. So the three kings went to Elisha. Why should I help you? Elisha said to the king of Israel, Go and consult those prophets that your mother and your father consulted. No, Joram replied, It is the Lord who has put us three kings at the mercy of the king of Moab. Elisha answered, By the living Lord whom I serve, I swear that I would have done Nothing to, I would have nothing to do with you if I didn't respect your ally, King Jehoshaphat of Judah. Now get me a musician. As the musician played his harp, the power of the Lord came on Elisha. In other versions it says, the hand of the Lord came upon Elisha. Verse 16, and he said, this is what the Lord says. Dig ditches all over this dry stream bed. Even though you will not see any rain or wind, this stream bed will be filled with water, and you, your livestock, and your pack animals will have plenty to drink. And Elisha continued, But this is an, an easy thing for the Lord to do. He will also give you victory over the Moabites. 
So in this case, he had three kings who have run out of water as they were heading out to go to war, to go fight against this man who has rebelled against God and led God's people into sin. And yet, despite the fact that they are on a journey to go work for the Lord, they are on a journey to go fight a battle for the Lord, they, they find themselves out of the one basic necessity they cannot do without while they are on their journey. They run out of water. Not even their animals had water. And in verse 12, you get to realize how severe this was when Joram, uh, when King Joram said that we are done for. So, so you need to realize that for, for, for a king to, to say those words that we are done for, it, 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 must be, it must have been really severe. And as you read further, that there was in... And as you read further, you, you, you get to understand the power of music because but before i'd even get there start from verse 11 is there a prophet here through whom we can consult the lord this is this is king jehoshaphat asking after king joram had said that we are done for out of uh, due to the lack of faith that he had and it was king jehoshaphat who suggested that they look for a prophet who can whom they can consult with god through so while joram and the others were busy crying and they were they are in in panic and all of that the first thing that came to, to, to king jehoshaphat's mind was is there a prophet here through whom who can consult the lord an officer of Joram's forces then answered that there's some guy called Elisha. You know, he he's the son of Shaphat and he, he was Elijah's assistant and he got the powers of Elijah upon him before he went on a chariot of fire. And that's when the three kings went to, to Elisha. But to, to, to their surprise, when they got there, the, Elijah guess he was not really in a good mood on that day and uh, he just did not want to be bothered or whatever it was. But in verse 13, you get to realize when he says that, why should I help you? Go and consult those prophets that your, mother, that your father and mother consulted. No, that's when Joram replied, it is the Lord who has put us three kings at the mercy of the king of Moab. With this, I feel like we all need to realize how important it is that we, in whatever union we find ourselves in, whether it's a friendship, a relationship, a business partnership, or, or, or whatever it is that we may find ourselves in a corporate with other people on, it's you, you must ask yourself, who has put you together? Is it the Lord? For, for only when it is the Lord who has placed us together or in this boat together or in this mission together or whatever it is in your case you do you do you have leverage for god to bless you the same way that for, for the same way that even when elisha when the kings went to elisha elisha was did not want to to help them except that he he had honor for, for, for Jehoshaphat, the same man who sent them there, who suggested that they go there, the same man that who had sent them to Elisha, the prophet of God. And because of, uh, of the association other two kings had with, with Jehoshaphat, they found unmerited favor. They found unmerited favor through Elisha, for he would not have looked at them even once had it not been for, had it not been for their ally. Who, who's Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah. So you, might, you need to realize that when God places you with people for a purpose, he will always give 
provision for it and he will give unmerited favor for it when you least expect it. It's, and you know this whole story, it's very funny how these three kings have gone to go fight a battle for God and, and yet as they had gone to go fight a battle for God, they, they run out of the very basic need, they need the basic necessity which is water and and how it's how god can send you to a place sometimes and and send you to it towards a direction sometimes and and yet you you find yourself lost you find yourself in the in in, in tragedy in 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 poverty at times or going through troubles that you you never thought you would go and and yet you know that it was the lord who told you to be here and when you look around you, you realize that there's no sign of the Lord. I don't even have water and yet I'm supposed to go fight a battle. And it's very funny how the Lord puts us in, set, in such situations sometimes. And you, you begin to realize as you, as you go through verse 14 and 15 of, the, of 2 Kings 3, that when Elisha answered, By the living Lord whom I serve, I swear that I would have nothing to do with you if I didn't respect your ally, Jehoshaphat of Judah. Now get me a musician. This is verse 15 and this is where I want to dwell on. Get me a musician. So Elisha is not in a mood and Elisha is just not, you know, he's high or die at all. And and now this guy, because of Jehoshaphat, he needs he he's is willing is now willing to go consult with God on their behalf and prophesy on their behalf through God and from God and only then only then he he asks for a musician. I mean, he could have asked for a lot of things. He could have asked for yo. Oh, he could have asked for so many things, and he just asks for a musician. He left me asking, what is it about music? Once again. What is it about music that 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 it, it that even Elisha, before he would he would mediate on such a miracle, he, he needed music that a battle, probably the biggest battle in the Bible, if you ask me, of three kings who had come together, it's like three nations going against one, and for them to win, they needed a musician first to mediate with them, to to mediate on their behalf with God and. I love it in verse 15 as it goes on. As the musician played his harp, the power of the Lord came upon Elisha. I love the versions that say that as the musician played the harp, the hand of the Lord came upon came upon Elisha. And it leaves me asking, what is it about music which makes it so powerful that even God cannot help himself but reach out to the musician and to, 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 to and reach out to, to, to the worship and what is it about music that not even the Lord could help himself but reach out and bless those who are within the influence of that same music and you begin to understand the power in music going back to the definition that that I gave earlier that the power in music lies mainly in in the power of its vibration and and the sound for music is nothing but rhythm but i'm going to help you understand that better for um, when you think of the fact that in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god and you also consider that god spoke the universe into existence you get to understand the power of sound and when you think of how we begin to understand the power of sound and speaking. And now, if just 
speaking is that powerful what more about music when music has got such rhythms and and i believe this is why even the bible throughout keeps on reminding us that we must shout out and in praise and in songs and we must praise the lord and why david was such a terrific author and musician and poet and and why even the smartest man in babylon who was like king solomon even dedicated an entire book called the, the song of, of songs or songs of solomon and you begin to understand the value of music that the a man as smart as solomon would even write an entire book just on music alone you I, I, it, it, it awakens you to something more and something beyond you and I also love it in, in, in Psalms 105 verse 2 when it says that sing to him, sing praise to him, tell of all his wonderful acts. And, and you also think of how Paul and Silas in, in, in Acts 16 were, were also praying and praising and singing and, you, you and that's when the doors flew and the, the earth shook and you begin to understand the power behind music or at least to get a grasp of it or a bit of it that there's a lot of power in music and and and, and the devil has, has, has perverted our music so much that we should not be surprised anymore when because when little boys think it's okay to, to to refer to women as horse and bitches and and sluts and the very same woman they gave who gave birth to them and the very same woman the same women who who raised them they got now have got the audacity to call bitches and horse and sluts and all those other things they they, they do but that's when you begin to understand how influential music is. I mean, you look at today and what music has, has become, you just have to turn to MTV or either one of those music channels and it's like watching porn and we, we shouldn't be surprised when little girls think it's okay to be referred to as bitches and horse and when little girls think it's that they need to open their legs in order to feel worthy or feel accepted or when little girls or young girls think it's it's okay to sell their souls for money or, or little boys think it's it's okay to worship money. It's the power of music and the influence of music. Um, I remember it was Bob Pittman. Oh God, I'm so out of time. I remember it was Bob Pittman, the founder of MTV, who said that, I quote, open, open quote, at MTV, we don't shoot for the 14-year-olds. We own them. The strongest appeal you can make is emotionally. If you can get their emotions going, Make them forget their logic. You've got them. And you, this is someone who owns a music channel, probably the most influential music channel of all time. He understands music. And listen to what he's saying. He says, we own them. And because he has got his... You must, you must remember that the devil was a worshiper and he understands music better than anybody else. Hence, he has perverted it so much. And now the one person who has inspired me the most as far as music is concerned was Beethoven. How? Because Beethoven was amongst the greatest musician of all time, if you ask me. And somehow, somewhere during the line, down the line, Beethoven lost his sight, uh, his, his sense of hearing, but he still managed to, 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 to continue writing and playing and, mu and making music. And, and, and it left me wondering, what is it about music that was so much within him that even despite the fact that he had no ear no more, he could still continue to play music. And it, this was captured very much in, in, in his, one of his quotes when he said that the vibrations on the air are the breath of God speaking to men's soul. Music is the language of God. 
We, musicians, are as close to God as can be. We hear his voice. We read his lips. We give birth to the children of God who sing his praise. That's what musicians are. And I believe that he captures he captured this very well. And I believe this is why music is such a powerful force, whether we like it or not, and why it will continue to be influential. And, you know, because... I, I still can't fathom how you can conduct an entire orchestra without any ear yourself. And and this is exactly what what Beethoven did. And, and oh my God, so out of time. In closing, let me just go back to that very same scripture in, in Second Kings. In closing, after Elisha had said that, in verse 17, in verse 16, it says, and he said, after he, the, the musician had done playing the music, he said, this is what the Lord says, dig ditches all over this dry stream bed. Even though you will not see any rain or wind, this stream bed will be filled with water and you and your livestock and your pack animals will have plenty to drink. So I feel like God led this man of God, these three kings, to, into such a situation so that they can seek him. And I believe that sometimes God lets us go through trials and tribulations and, ch- and challenges just so that we can learn how to seek him. The same way that Jehoshaphat led these two kings, these other two kings, to go seek God. And that's why God lets us go through challenges sometimes. And realize what he says, says dig ditches all over this dry stream bed. So he's asking them to dig ditches in, in, in the midst of a desert. And he says that even though you will not see any rain or wind, this stream bed will be filled with water. And so he's asked them to dig ditches in the midst of a desert. So despite the fact that there's no sign of rain, he's, he's telling them, go dig ditches. And, and whether the, though there will be no rain or wind, the, the stream will be filled with water. To me, that tells me that we need to build our capacity. We need to learn how to build our capacity, our capacity to receive, our capacity to receive the miracle that God is working in us and the, 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 the capacity to, and, and though there are no signs, we need to always be ready for opportunities. Though there are no signs of them coming for, though there will no be no cloud and though there will be no rain or wind, it, the dishes will be filled with water. And it's very funny how God can change situations oftentimes and very funny how God usually makes an appearance at that very last moment when we are about to lose hope and in closing because i'm out of time i just want you guys to 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 to, to meditate on the scripture on second chronicles 5 13 on music and how the harmony and the rhythm of music had led god to to, to just come and put and, and let me just read it the, the trumpeters and musicians joined in a unison to give praise and thanks to the lord Accompanied by trumpeters, cymbals, and other instruments, the singers raised their voices in praise to the Lord and sang, He is good. His love endures forever. Then the temple of the Lord was filled with the cloud. It makes you wonder, what is it about music that is so powerful that even God would send a cloud within a temple, within a room? That music is so powerful. And... I, I won't stop. I'm already a couple of minutes overdue. Um, guys, I just hope that from this alone you, you understand the power of music and the role of music in our lives and how God was had meant for it to to, to elevate us and to, to, to honor us and to teach us and to grow us and how the devil has perverted us. And I hope you protect your mind and you protect your heart against all these evil forces in the music industry right now and all this 
evil influence that, that is working upon our hearts and upon our children's heart and upon our sister's hearts and all of that. I pray that you protect yourself and I pray that you awaken to, to the power of music and that God elevates you to next levels through music and that he elevates you to the next levels of glory through music. And ah, I have to stop. I have to stop. Goodbye, guys. And I love you so much. And God bless you so much. God bless you so much and be with you and continue to enjoy the music and enjoy it even more now that you understand it even more. And God bless you. And until the next episode of Frozen Thoughts Diaries, I love you, I love you, I love you. And take care. I'm out.